Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. We've done it. Mission accomplished. Send the Trappist home. The finish line is in sight. It's our last in our year-long deep dive into Trappists. We've picked up a lot of new history and gotten to compare how each monastery looks at brewing differently. So what do we have to talk about today? Well, these Trappists have a more international feel. So we're getting a little further away from Germany and Belgium and seeing where these monks have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hi, everybody. Been a while, but here we are. Uh, I guess that's the way you say Been a while. Been a while. First off, uh, apologies. This was supposed to have happened last weekend, but uh, there were technical difficulties. Technically, there were difficulties. Yes. uh, Which exactly what I say on my first dates. Casey, why are you still having first dates? You know, I'm just reenacting the movie Fifty First Dates. Okay. Well, get a uh, date. It's we... like uh, it, you get a. <laughs> you do it my Roy Kent voice. I'm going to tell you to do what Nikki Six said in the behind the music documentary. You got to date your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and the way my memory is, um, it is very much that way. Yeah. So yeah. we solved the problem. Yeah, your hippo's not strong. <laughs> yep. We uh, we solve the problems by just buying a new mixer. <clears throat> Seems to have that'll worked. help. <laughs> Seems excessive. Uh, you yeah. say that, but me and Brittany were drooling <laughs> over that mixer for to be, I mean, for like, a good yeah, while. To, to be fair, I knew it wouldn't be long. It's a it's a nice when mixer. when when you were te- texting out the images or, or you know putting out the images of it and like sending along. Uh, tutorials and and uh hype tracks it was like it won't be long yeah it was all over <laughs> i mean also the other one was losing channels I'm pretty yeah, sure it had a short somewhere it definitely had a short in it um it was it was kind of a matter of time on it honestly so and i, I have a hard to, life <laughs> i wanted to yeah i wanted to get a solution in place before you know before new year's eve when we wanted to make sure everything was like working as best as possible yeah. Uh, so what's everyone been oh, up to? Speaking, well, I was going to say, speaking of New Year's Eve, I have dinner reservations at Boma that night oh, at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Nice. Don't know what that means. Um, it's one of the like, like they, the African... they serve traditional African stuff. Okay. Animal Kingdom is supposed to have like some of the best restaurants. Mm. 
So right. hopefully we'll have a little little dinner there, and I'll get back to the hotel in time to jump on the show and is, be good to go. Is the Animal Kingdom just a big zoo? Is that you know that's what <laughs> that's what everybody like thinks before they go, and then it like turns into much more. Yeah, because it's got a zoo portion to it. It's got that safari then, thing that you can do, and um. Yeah. Oh, you get to you get to hunt, kill, and then <laughs> stuff the animals because that's what Theodore Roosevelt taught me. Safaris are for. <laughs> Not quite. Yeah. I mean, you could. There's nobody. I mean, there may be somebody that tries to stop you, but I mean, it's... you've got the gun. <laughs> I want to say there's that so... ride, but I think it's shut down right now for for like um for. Is a ride where you kill the animals? <laughs> so you God. keep saying this stuff, and I, whenever I think of uh, Theodore Roosevelt now, I just think of Futurama. When they've got to kill all the penguins, oh. he's like, "Let's <laughs> conservate." <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't leave orphans. Got to kill whole families. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, how's everybody been in the the interim? Going, I guess we could say. <laughs> we're we're surviving. Chugging along. Uh, showed up. How early? Showed up three hours before anyone else showed up to a release. Don't go to releases anymore. And then even some the person I was going to be meeting, I was like, oh, I'll get there. I was like judging the past things. It was like 5 a.m. He's like, I'm going to get there at 3. I want to make sure I get everything. I was just like, I wanted to sleep, but all right, I'll meet you there at 3. He didn't show up till 4. Uh Yeah, I saw that post that you had in our Discord of like, yeah, I'll get up there at like 5. And I just went... No. And then <laughs> I was just sitting in the tent because like, they had like a, a covering. So I was like, I'll stay out of the rain. I'll sit over there in the tent. And I noticed there's security cameras in it. And I was looking around going, damn it. Now, some like the motion sensor is picking it up and probably like causing something like waking someone up this early mm-hmm. who doesn't need to be up. And sure enough, when the manager gets there, she's like, yep, I saw you on the on the cameras at 4 a.m. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Sorry. Uh yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. I, I saw you saying you were gonna go do that, and I was I was consider I was like, oh, maybe I do want to try to go up for 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 that. Maybe I'll try to. And I remember that I went out to drink sake when I was reading some of those texts, and I was like, eh, no. <laughs> yeah. I just wouldn't have slept then. I would have I would have had to have driven all the way down there from the time I was done. Not worth it. And no. Yeah. Demogorgon's good, but sleep is real good. Yeah, sleep's, <laughs> sleep's pretty choice right now. Yeah, I've never met a beer that sleep wasn't better than. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a good, I mean, that's that'd be a, a sign that we're getting old, but... In my world, at least. Also, yeah, those, their own. that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need ideas in the Discord. We need people to submit their ideas for t-shirts. Uh, I guess we could also put that plug in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brittany oh, not using her downtime, uh, illy, I'll say, uh, because she, she took it upon herself to make an ugly Christmas sweater design now available in the store. been meaning to try to buy that, but I also never wear sweaters, but yeah, but it's an if I, ugly sweater, but we, yes. I could buy it and we could all wear them in new year's, uh, <gasps> No, because it'll be hot in here and wearing this, like... Well, you, like, we could, for a picture, and then... We could also, like, do... Well, and yes. we, um, we could do, like, a special order for us and just put it on, like, a, a regular long sleeve shirt or a t-shirt or something. But, 
yeah, that's uh, that took me a little longer. Like, there's like a certain design you got to do to make it look like a knit pattern, and I was like, okay, <laughs> do this. So it's that's a thing that exists. Ooh. She was designing. She d- did the design like pixel by pixel in oh. in a framework create <laughs> in a framework that made to help her make it look like it was the the knit design. <laughs> If you're what, doing what it you pixel is, by if you're doing pixel by pixel, aren't you just doing pointillism? <laughs> Continuing she, our art well, appreciation from from the news episode. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Casey. She has cross stitched <laughs> digitally. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not <Beautiful>. totally wrong. <laughs> I don't normally wear red, but red seems appropriate. If if I, we I like if we get one of these it. sweaters, I feel like. We then have to get like it's like I feel like you can only wear sweaters now if you were jacked like uh, uh, Chris Evans and Knives Out. You gotta hide <laughs> it underneath. That's a different kind of yeah. <laughs> You're it, where he looks, he just looks like he has like the football the sweater shoulder just pads make him under look it and... like even hunkier. It doesn't hide the muscles. <laughs> no good at hiding his muscles. Nothing can hide. I think Dark either. Heather is my way to go. Dark Dark Chokehold Heather. Yeah. Trying to pull it up on the one in the bag. Oh, the dark, the the like wine color. I feel like looks good too. Oh yeah, that does look good. Sorry, we're not trying to show it anymore. We just haven't actually viewed all the options that we set. No. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna share this on the screen. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) Uh. So Casey, uh, I just happened to have seen on social media that the brewery just opened their second location. Yeah, we uh. Location dose, the Ocho. Yeah, so we, we've got our second like uh, music venue going now. We had a um, our first band last week was a local guy who has also appeared on um, Grand Ole Opry and mm-hmm. uh, some of those those larger kind of national shows, and so it, um, I saw Jamerson was playing there. Yeah, he's the he, CMT Grand Ole Opry. He's been on those things, so that was okay. nice to to have him back in the the saddle. And then um, the bass player from the band that played with him also has a band, and they were there tonight. That's where we were before the show, and so. Um, they were playing uh, tonight as well. So it seems like it's going pretty good so far. So we're able to uh, mix things up, do a little bit different than the tap room. We don't serve liquor at the tap room, but the new location, um, we're doing more uh, liquor-based drinks, but pre-mixed liquor. So oh, see, I'll make it a, yeah, a two-and-a-half-gallon keg. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say two-and-a-half-gallon kegs. Um, or in one case, a barrel, uh, and our bartenders just have to pull the tab and it's there rather than trying to go all out and have bartenders that actually have to worry about knowing how to make drinks. We just, they just have to know how to pull a handle and put it in the system. That's it. If you're wondering about a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of these conversations actually happen in discord. And also in the oh, yeah. post shows, like if you were in the post shows or in the discord, you would have been really down. Like Casey's talked through a lot of this process and we've nerded out about it a lot in the background. And mm-hmm. I love, so a whole, a whole discussion has cropped up this past week over the whiskey he's using. 
because mm. I didn't realize it was a thing. And then talking to one of our big whiskey expert friends, he's like, oh, that's very much a thing, and that's a very good choice. Uh, yeah, all I can think of, though, is like, oh, yeah, the second location serves serves stuff and has music. Need George Thorogood. You can get one bourbon, <laughs> one scotch, Lunch, one beer. And a pizza. Yeah. A pizza. Uh, patron, pa- pa- musical patron saint of uh, Have a Drink Show, George Thorogood. <laughs> Yeah, we've been able to to kind of do some good stuff there. So a little different vibe, which is good than the the current location. Well, I'm excited to get in there and actually be able to have a drink, uh, as opposed to the last time I was in there and it was in the middle of construction. Yeah, <laughs> I've been there twice and it's always been under construction. So yeah, um, all good there. Uh, in addition to that, I've also enjoyed the past week with Hand Foot Mouth, and uh, I oh. went more wish that on the worst enemy in the world my uh, a friend of mine just uh had was dealing with that and he was like how do you think you got it it's like well one of my kids had it and she sneezed into my open mouth oh, <laughs> that'll, do, that'll it. do it that's exactly how it goes uh, I, I was gonna ask where you think you got it but there's just yeah that's it's two little little pathogens Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, I mean, it's how it goes. So they've been home because there was a COVID scare at the daycare. And then there was, you know, hand, foot, mouth. I'm like, okay, great. We get to send them back to school this week. You know, they passed it on to me, but that's fine. They're good to go. Um, And then they get sent home on Thursday because they've got a temperature and it's something else. And so that seems to be the the rolling thing is we only still have daycare two days a week, but they come back after day two with something new. Yep. (laughs) That was our life for two years. And then like when the COVID thing really set in, since then Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a lot like for COVID scares, which have always been negative for us, but otherwise, because we had a COVID scared week before last. And, yeah, he other, uh, I mean, he he'll occasionally get like a fever or whatever, but that's like common for toddlers anyway. So, yeah, I feel like we've just caught it all at this point. So, <laughs> or you or you all have caught it all at this point. So maybe you know eventually we'll catch it all and be done. I guess that's, that's something we all did was Emmett's third birthday is today of recording, but we had the party mm, yeah. two oh, weeks well, ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> out at the out at the farm, which was which was fun. Yeah, uh, I don't want to do a birthday party there again, but I I want to go back and just have like have the whole day <laughs> in the farm as opposed to being like, was, hey, yeah. your guests who don't care to actually go in and do the the farm activities have to go pay anyway if they want to use the toilet. The horrible, horrible restroom toilets. I, I dehydrated myself uh, ahead of time <laughs> and stay away from the toilet. The toilet. <laughs> Yeah, but the farm was great for the kids. Like, yeah, the actual activities and stuff were were fantastic. And and besides the bathroom situation, the like how they did the birthday party stuff was great. Just that it being away from from you know all the hubbub and you know because it was quite busy inside. Once you got inside, it was real busy. But it was also huge. I know that place was insane. Like, like we hopped on the the hayride thinking, okay, this yeah. is a hayride. You ride it five minutes, and then they bring you back, and that's good. And then we ended up like on the hayride halfway across the farm. The yeah. hayride. Ten minutes later, you, you discover the hayride is the tram <laughs> to get around the farm. Yeah. yeah. 
And it was like, how you got to get there. Like four miles away. What just happened, you guys? (laughs) No, I like Emmett. At one point, we got to the back loop where the corn maze starts, and we're starting to finally trek back to where you guys are. And he's got his little cup from the party, and he was like putting rocks in it. And he said he was throwing the rocks. I was like, hold on to your cup because if you if you let go of your cup and it falls, like it's gone. And he just looks at me and throws the cup. And I was like, it's gone. And did you see the look on his face when he realizes what he had done? And he's like, he's trying to jump off too. And I was like, it's gone, man. Like that cup is gone. It's God's cup now. An important life lesson. That's what I was like. We just learned. We just learned a lesson. That's that's going to spur Everybody. him on to be some sort of cup-based uh, superhero or villain. That's what we've learned. I think we might go with a mug as well. Let's get to that time of the year. <laughs> Wait, do we have the design on mugs? Uh, not, yeah. not that design. Oh, no, not, not that one. Uh, yeah, well, we have mugs. Oh, should I wait? <laughs> I could put it on a mug. That would make too much sense. So, you know. I think I'll wait and get the mug then. Yeah, I could. I found the I mug I want now and the, the ugly Christmas sweater. I can't remember what the website was. We're in the asides. Oh, we're getting ready to, yeah. have to dive into the show, but it was the put the. Put the drunken lotion pag- on the skin? Put the drunken pagan debauchery back in Christmas. Is what it said. And it had the same like ugly Christmas sweater design, but it had like pentacles and stuff all over it. And I was just like, nope, that's. Say, uh, Brittany, we, we have a. Uh... We have we have sounds now for when we go into uh, into tangents. Oh yes, yeah. We got to nail down exactly which ones we should do because I also have to switch soundboard things. Oh. So like I got to have Fine. things at the ready. All right. Well, I guess we can say uh, what we'll transition into our news plug here. So we also do a new show which was also new this week, where we talked mm-hmm. about such uh, exciting things as we got to reference a show we did back earlier this year when we talked about. Uh, whiskey NFTs, and oh, yeah. one of those has come to fruition. Yeah. And, and this um, week in archaeological finds that have to do with alcohol. It's true. We also had the uh, 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 beers in space oh, are yeah, now for yeah. sale. Sam Adams. We we pitched some new names that Sam Adams really should should pick, take us up on. Ball was dropped, I got to say, in the naming of the beer, ball was dropped. Uh, I, I guess also we had uh, this week in wine heists. Oh yeah. yeah, it was a it was a whole whole situation. Mm-hmm. All we needed was an Aldi story, really. When there was there wasn't anything. <laughs> Nothing new. It'd be like I think all there is Aldi wise, like oh here's their you know their Christmas wine advent thing. Yeah, yeah. Or this Aldi has shut down because of COVID. Yeah, that, there, there's a whole lot of that now. <laughs> a lot of yeah, a lot of stories of things shutting down that we passed on. Like let's well, not. <laughs> it's just upsetting. All right. Well, uh, you can check that out on its own feed, but on this feed, you'll find our main topic. Maybe I am. Maybe I wouldn't have paused so long. I was like, oh, uh, that's an opening. Oh, and then he started talking. <laughs> Not if it's this Ood Goose has anything to say about it. Ood. Eid. It's very uh, good. Id. Well, um, we're going to start off with uh, Spencer or St. Joseph's Abbey. So, north of, the ta- uh, north of the town of Spencer, Massachusetts. Wait, that doesn't sound like it's anywhere in Europe. <laughs> At the crest of a steeply sloping uh, 
hill blanketed in oak, maple, and pine, but ba- uh, excuse me, bared in part by farmed meadows and broad pasture lands, rests St. Joseph's Abbey, a cloistered Roman Catholic monastery of monks of the Cistercian order of the, sh- of the strict observance, popularly known as the Trappists. Dun, dun, dun. Uh... St. Joseph's Abbey was founded in 1950 on the former site of uh, Alta Crest Farms under the leadership of Dom Ed, uh, Edmund Fritterer. The monks moved there from their previous location in Cumberland, Rhode Island, because who doesn't want to leave Rhode Island? Uh, also, apparently, was heavily damaged in a fire in 1950, so and, also a good reason. In my head canon, I couldn't find it anywhere, but I like to think it was uh, the fire was from their actual first attempts at brewing. <laughs> so, head canon? Headcanon, like your 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 own personal version of of the your, canon of whatever story yeah. you're talking about. Gotcha. Not not that there is a canon in his head that fires out things. That, that's know? pretty much how it works. When I'm reading all this stuff, it's just like there might as well be some Frenchman in the back there just aggressively firing a canon of ideas that have nothing to do see. with. <laughs> Good use of French. Um, in the tradition of the Trappist monks, they started a business to support themselves. You, you have to ad- admire these monks. The Trappist looked down and went, no, get a job. <laughs> uh, within a few years uh, of their arrival in Spencer, the Trappist preserve, uh, Preserves was born. The first batch of jelly was made in 1954 uh, by one of the brothers on a stove with <laughs> herbs taken from... Qua? Of course it was jelly. Yeah. <laughs> of course it was jelly because you can't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Mm. Yeah. We're not going to finish that joke. Um, <laughs> uh, these bunks aren't going to jam. Uh, Wrecked them, damn near killed them. <laughs> Oh, this went off the rails so fast. <laughs> Where, where's that trombone? The bowl full of jelly. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, um, it's made, on, made by. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Brittany. <laughs> uh, no, the. Uh, the ba- first batch of jelly was made in 1954 by one of the brothers in a stove with herbs taken from their own garden. Today, they produce more than 30 flavors of jams and jellies. Has its own website, uh, the the Spencer, Spencer Spencer Jams, or things like Spencer Preserves. Spencer's Jams. <laughs> <laughs> of all the places, we are we are children. Um, in Europe, the Trappists have uh, maintained a long and respected tradition of brewing. In 2010, the monks of St. Joseph Abbey began looking into founding their own brewery to continue this tradition. And probably because the jams and jellies weren't paying the bills. Tradition. Uh, they embarked uh, on a two-year fact-finding mission visiting every other Trappist brewery in the world, meeting with the brewers and sampling their beers. They came back with a plan, build a modern, state-of-the-art facility, hire a skilled brewer, and make uh, only one beer for the first five years. Following monastic traditions, the monks uh, held a vote and overwhelmingly decided to build the first Trappist brewery in the U.S. I like to imagine that vote. Um, who here would like us to me- start making beer on the pro? Okay, everyone's hands are already up. Um, 
Are we too sober? Yes. All right. Look, um, I think something to where um, Spencer has like one of the youngest uh, congregations or however you want to phrase it, like youngest communities yeah. of monks in the world. I think that has something to do with it. Like they're they're feisty ones. By young, we mean that they're in their 60s. <laughs> well, uh, the, no, there's pictures on their websites of uh, actually- clearly some dudes in like their 30s. So they've got they've got young blood in there that's going to keep the tradition going. I think that is one of the youngest of those the the Trappist breweries that are out there. Oh yeah, they are flat um, out the the Abbey. Every like they're everything about them is the youngest of the order. Well, after twenty test batches, they had their first finished beer, a blonde ale called Blonde Ale. Twenty test batches. They were making sure they had that baby right. Uh, it was a blonde ale called Spencer's Trappist Ale, uh, which they still brew. Uh, the brewery consists of 36,000 square feet uh, and has capacity of 50 barrels. In 2013, Spencer Brewery was recognized as the first, so far only, Trappist brewery outside of Europe. While the brewery is normally not open to the public, its doors it opens its doors once a year at an open house in June. Response from the open house was so strong that in 2018, the brewery explored constructing a tap room that would be open year-round. Yeah. The, the was- most recent stuff I could find um, was that I guess that that's still underway. Like, they're still currently building a tap room, but they have Imagine- obviously closed the uh, <laughs> open house for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm. Actually, as we were going through that, talking about, like, modern day, I was like, man, I bet you Trappist over in Europe are like, no, don't come here. We'll give you beer from like a distance. Like we'll drop it off outside. Gates just, are locked. There's a hose. <laughs> just flash your car lights. We'll 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 do this drug deal, and you can be on your way. All of us are ancient. You'll kill us all. But it is interesting to see <laughs> the styles they're doing. So Spencer, you can get a Trappist Imperial Stout. Ooh. Hmm. I mean, I hadn't seen right. that one. I wanted to get it, and I, you can get their stuff at Jungle Gems. I just never had time when getting beer to make that hike. Yeah. Well, next up, we've got the Dekevit Trappist Brewery. Uh, during the during the period of the French Revolution, the new policy was unfavorable to Abbey life. <laughs> you remember any of our other Trappist uh, episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Napoleon, uh, Napoleon was basically the, 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 the scourge of, <laughs> of Trappist breweries. Uh, and anyway, and to this extent, uh, the survival of many monasteries uh, was under siege. At the end of the 19th century, it appeared as though this would become a reality for the northern French Trappist monastery, Mont de Cat, from Catsburg. Uh, it was for this reason that the abbot dispatched one of the monks to seek a place of refuge abroad. They found Tilburg, where the Abbey of Our Lady of Konings, Konigsholven. Ah, I remember that name. Uh, not especially, but I was mostly focused on trying to say it. Uh, <laughs> La Trap. Oh, it's one of those. Okay. Uh. So this episode, you're going to be seeing a lot, of, or hearing a lot of the previously discussed abbeys and breweries popping up. In unexpected ways. Pardon. Um, 
Anyway, uh, that was founded in 1881. The abbey soon flourished, and it was not long before the idea emerged for more abbeys in the Netherlands that could serve as places for refuge for monks threatened with expulsion. Uh, new, an opportunity uh, to found the new monastery arose in 1897 when Miss Anna Katharina van Dogen from Zundert, uh, Zundert, uh was gifted a piece of land, uh, gifted a piece of land to the abbot of Our Lady of Kordingshoven. Uh, the abbot at that time, Dom Wilbrod Verbergen, Verbergen uh, decided to build an abbey on that land. Since it was intended as a refuge, uh, place of refuge for French monks, the new project was called Our Lady of Refuge. In uh, the autumn of 1899, two monks set out for Zundert uh, from Tilburg. Uh, Father ne- Nevardus Mus, Mus and Brother Dorotheus de Vies. Uh The tenant farmers of the small farm de Kivet, uh, Bart Nauls, provided them with temporary accommodations. They were followed by more brothers from Koningshoven, uh, building for the first monastery uh, began uh, on the site where the present guest house stands today. The abbot of Tilburg inaugurated the chapel on the 24th of May, 1900, Ascension Day. And it's with 12 monks shepherded by Father Navardus Muse uh, that Our Lady of Refuge officially started its function as a monastery. On June 22nd, 1909, the brothers received word that they had to immediately leave their monastery. I wonder why. <laughs> The abbot of Tilburg uh, landed in, uh, had landed in such dire financial straits that serious consideration was given to selling off all their goods, including those of Zundert, to pay off a mortgage debt. Not what I was expecting. It's a little too early for World War I. Uh, We're getting there, the brothers of... Yeah. Uh, uh, the brothers of Our Lady of Refuge left the, uh, with their horse and cart in a direction of the Trappist Abbey of Festmall. Uh, where they were warmly welcomed by Abbot Ferdinand uh, and his community. Just traveling around, gypsy Trappist Bruin. Uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, the Order Superior sought a solution. They were encouraged in their endeavors by Miss Maria Uns de Schuten, uh, for she had promised to donate a large sum of money to the church to build Our Lady of Refuge, uh, should the monastery manage to stay alive. Finally, an arrangement was made. Dom Willebrod of Koningshoven uh, stepped down and was succeeded by Dom Simon de Busen. De, de Bus- yeah, whatever. Uh, the brothers of Zundert were able to uh, return to their monastery and preserve their spiritual institution. Uh, the first Zen meditations were held in the abbey in the 1970s. I had to read that sentence like twice in my head to make what? sure I... Yeah, one of the this one of those abbot the abbot in the seventies uh, became like kind of new agey, and to this day, I guess it's kind of a thing they do. They do weekly uh, Zen meditation. This form of meditation yoga. was introduced by Dom Jerome Vitcom, uh, who be- had become the fourth abbot. Uh, he had become interested in meditation largely because uh, he had also become acquainted with yoga during his studies in Rome. Uh, a lot of yogis in Rome, I guess. 
Vatican's a very <laughs> limber place. Look, that's kind of like a, an aside thing and really has nothing to do. But I was just like, no, that's just an like monks doing yoga and Zen meditation. I was like, I love it. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's quiet, contemplative. I mean, if some if 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 someone's gonna be meditating, give them help uh, them be physically well as well. You know, as long with mentally well, like it's gonna keep them. I mean. I want to know where the term monk crosses from, like Trappist into Buddhist. Like that—that's yeah. a—that's the same term for two very different religious sects. Yeah. Well, it's it. Yeah. Basically, a monk is someone who's going to be in a monastery devoted for for yeah. They they serve similar-ish roles, and so the English word that would apply for both of them would be monk. I guess so. Yeah, maybe it's. I wonder if they have a, a in native languages if it's a similar term or if it's very different in in pronunciation. Yeah, I, I don't know. But Zen meditation became part of the Abbey life for a number of brothers and also many guests over the years. In the eighty, the eighties were a fairly quiet period with some entries, uh, but the majority of monks uh, left the Abbey for a brief period of time. It appeared the communities of Our Lady of the Refuge was without future. Uh, Rumspringer. However, the tide turned in the 90s, where 16 young men entered uh, entered since then, several of whom have uh, remained. In 1998, the brothers decided to stop intensive dairy farming and switch to ecological cattle farming. Uh, in 2007, Dom Daniel Holmbergen was selected to be the sixth abbot, and the cattle farming came to an end. And this is kind of uh, like, if you follow, I mean, I guess for us, since we know loosely retain a lot of this knowledge you, you start seeing callbacks and you can feel when think like certain things are coming you know the trend and it's like oh they're get, they got into they were dairy farming that's how they kept themselves afloat or cattle farming and they're gonna mm-hmm. have had dairy equipment laying around what else can you do with dairy equipment what yeah. what is their order known for <laughs> just sitting around here you might as well just go hmm guess i could brew with it call the maytag Much- man over to whip us up some <laughs> Oh, yeah. Same way that you you can sit there and stare at a lot of dairy equipment and go, oh, it's there a lot of brewing equipment. And go, well, they just outlawed alcohol. <laughs> and we got. Yeah, I still milk? don't know. I, I still don't know how they made ice cream out of brewing <laughs> equipment. I, I have no way of making that in our brewery. Uh, uh, well, the. Uh, uh, eventually, at the end of 2011, long-term care of the land was entrusted to. Oh boy. Uh uh-huh. not monumentum. Literally the worst word of this whole episode. Natu dad. Klatu Varada Uh Nosferatu and I just got Peter from what we do in the shadows in my head. Study for the preservation of uh, nature movements in the Netherlands. This event led to the restoration of the land's historic name, Kvetsmorden. Uh, at the same time, it was decided the monks would start a home brewery, uh, the Trappist Brewery de Kivet. De Kivet. I don't know. Uh, following extensive preparations, the plans uh, were implemented between October 2012 and October 2013. The brewery was built within the existing contours of the former farm building. The uh, pardon. Uh, the buildings also house the workplaces, 
Zunder Trappist beer was introduced on the market in December 2013. Five years later, the Zunder Trappist, which uh, from now on is called Zundert 8. Got a little brother, the dark and strong Zundert 10, which uh, once won the gold medal at the Dutch Beer Challenge in 2019. Dark and strong. Uh, what is under 10 now? Sounds good. <laughs> so yeah, that, I, I've seen that around and I thought for sure I knew locally where to get some and then it turned out I was wrong. <laughs> but uh, I have de- when you see the label, you're like, oh yeah, I've definitely seen that label. Their labels look a lot like Latraps. All right, let's go to what has to be the most popular kid on the block in this whole category right now. Well, let's start talking... Uh, Trey Fontaine, Abby. Oh, and three put, put a put Dose Fontaine right out of business. <laughs> that head had only bounced one more time. So let's get into the history of what has to be one of the oldest. Uh, you can't really say Abbey's, but I don't know one of the oldest religious sites in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, the Abbey of Trey Fontaine has a rich and unique history dating back to the earliest days of Christianity. Located in Rome, the spot where the monastery sits has seen some of the most pivotal moments in Roman Christianity. On June 29th, 67 CE, the apostle, later St. Paul, was beheaded during the reign of Nero. It is said that his head oh, bounced. Wow. It is said that his head bounced 3 times in part giving the location its name. Later, St. Zeno uh, and over 10,000 Christian Roman legionaries were executed on the spot in 298 CE during Diocletian's Christian purges. Uh, Casey, was that, oh, wow, just the thought of, huh, St. Paul was old. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, at this spot. Like, this is is where, like, the history goes, goes that far, I guess. Or, not that far, but, like... Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. The, like it, the fact that the location is the sure. same. Yeah. Or at least in lore it is. Right. Uh, the first religious building to occupy the site can be traced to Constantine the Great during his reign in the early 4th century. The, this is cutting the, it down to like the greatest Const- hits of the history. Constantine the pretty all right. <laughs> the pretty all right. Uh, when he established a church in honor of St. Paul. The first record of a monastic community occupying the site comes in the later half of the 6th century when General Narcissus, uh, the governor of Italy under Emperor Justinian, established a monastery attached to the Church of St. Paul for Greek monks. As the Mahimi... In my head, I was like, I know my lips will not let me get this word out. Mohammedan? Mohammedan. Mohammedan? Arab armies invaded the lands of the Eastern Romans, also known as the Byzantine Empire. Uh, Sicilian monks fled before the invading forces, bringing with them many early Christian relics. As the community grew in importance along with the rise of Rome as the center of early Catholic Church, the monastic community at Trefontaine increasingly appears in church records along with its growing uh, along with its growing list of relics during the 8th century the community suffered a serious fire but due to the importance of the location the community 
and the relics it housed, the Pope Adrian I invested considerable sums to rebuild and revive the devastated community. So that's another thing to consider here is um, it's basically in the center of Rome. Oh, okay. a, yeah. a lot of popes and a lot of the cardinals came from here. <laughs> like a whole lot of popes. Yeah. Like crap ton of popes. A staggering amount of popes. <laughs> uh, they just kind of looked outside and went, you there. Would you like to be a pope? <laughs> it's oh, great. Slaps the hood. Hallelujah. This thing could fit a lot of popes in it. Slaps <laughs> <laughs> hood. This baby can fit so many popes. <laughs> The monastery grew even larger and richer in 805. Maximum pontiffs. In 805, when Charlemagne <laughs> and Pope Leo III sent monks to collect relics from the monastery during Charlemagne's campaigns in Italy. You know, just because we that one to, more. had to drop some more so, names. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Say that one more time. It's like slaps the hood. This baby can fit, fit the maximum number of pontiffs. <laughs> Pontificus you Maximus. A, Pontificus Maximus. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Trying that is, I, is that the model I'm of the car? That. <laughs> that's Pontificus Maximus is is the Pope's title in Latin. Uh, it it comes from old Roman head of the church things. Whatever. Julius Caesar was a Pontificus Maximus. Give me an idea. When the monks it, it has. A beer title. <laughs> oh yeah, an Abbey Ale. Called, oh. oh, that. Oh, an Abbey Ale. You could call it Pontificus Maximus. I could call it a Pontificus Maximus. I could not call it an Abbey Ale because it's not Burden and Abbey. Oh yeah, but I meant like that style. Hey, Abbey style because that what Abbey style. Absolutely. And I've been there's been some folks that have gotten on to me to to do uh, some wheat beers and some Abbey beers. Mm. So you got the name definitely there. Yep. <laughs> When the monks showed up at the besieged fortress, the walls suddenly collapsed. Leo III and Charlemagne gave the abbey vast tracts of land as a reward <laughs> for the use of the relics. Just huge tracts of land. I mean, when Charlemagne shows up with huge tracts of land. Despite this grant of wealth, the monastery succumbed to the ravages of time and slowly fell into decay over the next few centuries. Several popes and various groups of monks attempted to keep it thriving, but failed. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Scroll down too far. Right. That's my bad. In 1140, Pope Innocent II gave the monastery to Cistercian Order. We know who they are. Who began the work of reviving the ancient grounds. The biggest problem uh, historically with the location of the grounds is that it's rife with malaria, which has caused what? problems throughout the Abbey's history. That is a problem. Lovely. To help with this problem, uh, here's another thing you need to kind of keep your ear out for. Uh, Pope Eugene III, who had been an abbot at the monastery, allowed the monks to use uh, a castle offsite during the summer to help keep their health up. <laughs> and there's like, no, no, don't, don't live here. Just visit here. Uh, over the next yeah, five no, centuries, the fortress of the Abbey, or the yeah, the fortress of the Abbey, waxed and waned until 1808, when Napoleon occupied the papal estates and secularized Can't the Abbey. Can't escape that that Corsican little bastard. He is just hunting them. <laughs> Quite literally, he was uh, forcing out the Cistercian monks. 
The conquering forces stripped the archives, possessions, and relics of Trey Fontaine. Uh, like on the one hand, I'm like, man, you gotta stop letting your army loot things. But also, we wouldn't understand hieroglyphics if he hadn't been. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, after the revival of the papal rule, Pope Leo. The 12th tried to revitalize the abbey, but the Franciscan friars, who he entrusted it to, only were able to partially reopen the malaria-ridden grounds. Also, Franciscan <laughs> friars, for some reason, just got like a sports team in my head. I'm like, <laughs> the alliteration just broke me for some reason. Why have we not got a team <laughs> named after monks? Needs we have so happen. many racist teams. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Nothing really fearsome of, of monks. Uh, Pope Pius IX made another attempt in 1858 with the help of the head of the Trappist order, but the potential costs were too overwhelming to even begin the project. Fortunately, in 1867, they used the 1800-year anniversary of the martyrdom of St. Paul to raise money to revive Trefontaine. On April 21st, 1868... A papal bull reestablished uh, Trey Fontaine as a Trappist monastery when the monks from La Grande Trappe began <laughs> the arduous work of restoring the abbey. One of the big early projects was to drain the swamps that had caused centuries of malaria problems. <laughs> you know, uh, that'll be the first that abbey. really suck into the swamp. Build a second abbey. That <laughs> also suck into the swamp. Build a third abbey. That abbey got struck by lightning, caught fire, then sunk into the swamp. But the fourth abbey, the fourth abbey stood. <laughs> to aid them, the monks also planted eucalyptus trees, which naturally keep away mosquitoes. They were but also tracks koalas. <laughs> they were also granted even more land if they'd plant at least 125,000 more trees as part of a government initiative. This coupled with mosquito nets and quinine. <laughs> helped the monks survive the formerly malaria-ridden abbey grounds. I didn't know the thing about uh, the eucalyptus, actually. That's actually that's cool. I think I, I, I'm getting to it here in a second, but they use it in the beer. So that they've decided to give it a unique character, and to, since they've got it growing everywhere, they're like, let's throw it in. <laughs> but, and this is the one that's in Rome. Yeah. I would not have thought Rome to be malaria-ridden. Apparently there it is because they've got the three ever flowing fountains. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the fountains. In 1873, the... the monks installed a distillery and has since been producing high quality liquors based largely around some of the ingredients grown on the lands of the monks. Uh, eucalyptus being the most prominent ingredient used. The most famous of these liquors is the Eucalyptino? I don't know. Eucalyptino. <laughs> Eucalypta not going to work here anymore. Yeah. Uh, they also make a eucalyptus grappa and a hazelnut cream liqueur. In 2014, the monks began brewing a beer, which they called Bira de Manas, or Monk's Beer. On May 4th, 2015, Trey Fontaine and its beer received the official International Trappist Association go-ahead to add the famous hexagon to the label and to use the name of the Trappist Abbey on the beer. 
Thus, Yay. in 2015, Trey Fontaine became the 11th official Trappist brewery. Yay. And I got to say, they have such a delicious history. Like I was, <laughs> Are they the newest? I thought Spencer was, but is Trey Fontaine? Trey Fontaine's the newest, I think. Which And they've got an impressive lineup for being that young. All right, well, moving on to Mount St. Bernard Abbey. Okay. I'm trying to look like say this word like four different ways in my head. Um, Mount St. Bernard Abbey is a Roman Catholic Trappist monastery near Colville, oh, Leicestershire, England, <laughs> founded in 1835 in the parish of Whitwick and now in that of Charlie. The abbey was the first permanent monastery to be founded in England since the Reformation and is the sole Trappist house in England. Okay. The early history of Mount St. Bernard Abbey is linked with an earlier short-lived foundation of Cistercian monks in Lulworth, Dorset, and the Abbey of Mount Melray or Melray in Ireland. Probably just uh, Melray. Yeah. So following the suppression of monasteries in France, a small colony of dispossessed Trappist monks had arrived in London in 1794 with the intention of moving on to found a monastery in Canada. Uh, they came to the attention of Thomas Weld of Lulworth, a Catholic uh, recusant, recusant, okay, um, and philanthropist who disguised him or distinguished himself in relieving the misfortunes of refugees of the French Revolution, and he provided them with land on which to establish a monastic community on his estate in East Lulworth. The monks remained at Lulworth until 1817 when they returned to France to reestablish the ancient Melray Abbey in Brittany following the Bourbon Restoration. Not the Bourbon we're thinking of. Yeah. The, yeah. the, house. the French line of kings, not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was short-lived as following the July Revolution of 1830, the monks were again persecuted and left to found Mount Melray Abbey in Ireland. This is 1833. <laughs> It was from the Irish monastery of Mount Melray that a small colony of monks was dispatched to found the monastery of Mount St. Bernard in 1835. The Cisterian order dates back to the 12th century and the Trappist to the mid-17th century. Mount St. Bernard is the only abbey belonging to this order in England. Following the discovery of the remains of King Richard III in 2012, Mount St. Bernard Abbey was proposed as a suitable place for his bones to be housed until agreement could be reached on a permanent resting place. The abbey would eventually not be decided upon as the permanent resting place for the remains. Because there's a big battle over whether uh, a Roman Catholic mm. uh, or a Protestant church would be his final resting place. And uh, <laughs> Protestants won out in the end, despite him having converted to being a Roman Catholic. Well, I was going to say, he, he would have been Roman Catholic. There weren't Protestants then. Yeah, but some, for some reason, they decided on a Protestant church, and the abbey lost out. Even though they, had, they housed his bones for the years while they tried to decide what to do with them. Uh, in June 2018, the Abbey's monks became the first in the UK to brew Trappist beer. The Abbey website tells the story like this. When the inviability of farming became obvious, we began to look for an alternative source of income and common work. 
We aimed to establish an industry in which many of us could be involved. Brewing met our requirements. After much careful research and community discussion, we decided to revive the Abbey's beer-making tradition. We know for a fact that beer was brewed here in the 19th century and, contrary to widespread perception, monastic brewing has never been confined only to the Low Countries. <laughs> past visitors to our the community... The Low Countries. Yeah. Past visitors to our community... Have left... A little... Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh... Past visitors to our community have left accounts expressing their liking for the monk's table beer. Although the historic recipe has been lost, we've, we're certain that the ale we're brewing now is at least as delicious and nurturing. Uh, in 2017 and 18, we relocated our ref- refectory, kitchen, and laundry to provide space for the installation of a new art- artisanal brewery. We keep the volume of production relatively small just enough to meet our expenses and support our charitable commitments. As of 2018, the brewery is our principal field of labor. All the work from brewing to bottling and packaging is done by the monks. All this resulted from much preparation and research. Once we had set, once we had decided to set up a brewery, we began to practice on a small home brewing kit. We've experimented with a range of different beers to acquire experience and to work towards a final recipe. The monks of... Norcia? Norcia? I don't know. I was going to say Norcia, Norcia, Norca, Gem. St. Wandrel and uh have taught us a lot and were generous in sharing their own brewing experience. We've received invaluable advice from the 11 other Trappist breweries and from the International Trappist Association. We've also benefited from the kindness and counsel of several local brewers. In July 2019, it was reported that the Abbey had produced approximately 30,000 bottles of, uh, is, it, is that a Y? Tint? Yeah. Tint, ti- Tint Meadow. That's the only beer they make. Okay. Uh, and it Tywin was, Meadows. <laughs> it was struggling to satisfy demand. Uh, the beer was said to have become pop- particularly popular in Belgium and the Netherlands. However, the brewery must remain secondary in importance to the monastery's work and way of life. It was stated that it was unlikely that such demand would be satisfied. I mean, they so yeah. At the end of the day, it's still a monastery. <laughs> yeah. And the the final this is the our final Trappist brewery to talk about, and in a lot of ways, it is it is the best way to end it, to end this whole thing because it, I don't know, it kind of is the story of Trappist beer. Casey, you got this. Hamont Akel. The Trappist Abbey of Akel, or St. Benedictus Abbey, or also Ecoles Cruis, which means Hermitage of Akel, uh, which belongs to... Huh? Hermitage. Hermitage. Uh, which belongs to the Cistercians of Strict Observance, is located in Akel in the Campine region of the province of Limburg, Flanders, Belgium. Casey's the only person to pronounce it right tonight. What We all said it's cis. Oh. Like, you were the only person to pronounce uh, the actual name of the order correct. Oh, what is it? Oh. Cistercian? Cistercian. Oh. Cistercian is how I pronounced it. Ah. I think how we all pronounced it. It may even be Cistercian. 
with an SH in there, but either way. <clears throat> On 30 January 1648, or if you're in the U.S., the January 30th of 1648, at the end of the Eighty Years' War, the Treaty of Munster was signed between Spain and the Netherlands. The result of the treaty was that the Catholic Mass was not allowed in the Dutch Republic. I love to think that this is big part of a big treaty. No Catholic Mass allowed. Yeah, that look. This is the period of of Protestant Catholic wars. Like that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh, therefore, Catholics from the vault of Svad. Uh, and Shaft built a chapel in Akel, which was part of the Prince Bishop Bish, Prince Bishopric. Bishopric. Prince Bishopric of Liege. Also the the uh the area of Shaft, I'm just picturing like people leaving the area just like, you know. Who is where are the monks who give it up for the other monk? Shaft. Did they get the shaft there? The early roots of the abbey date back to... I'll, I'll go ahead and move on, Brittany, so you don't have to put in the, like, cut out the, the silence or put in crickets there. Um, date back to 1686, when Petrus van Iaten, a son of the mayor of Eindhoven, founded a community of hermits in St. Joseph. The community would mm. flourish until 1789 when they were expelled from the covenant after French Revolutionary Army invaded the Austrian Netherlands. Napoleon France, strikes again. drink. I do feel like, <laughs> I, I, I was right there with you, Bob, too. I'm like, isn't the definition of hermit, like, not to gather? Yeah, thank you. Someone else <laughs> heard me laugh at community of hermits, and it was just like, that's wait, a, wait, wait just a gosh darn second. You guys are drunk, go home. <laughs> oh, we, we we like to be hermits. We'd like to kind of all be together. No, <laughs> the commune how this works. On March twenty first of eighteen forty six, the Trappist from Westmall Abbey founded a priory of in Achel. Achel, Achel. I looked it up at the beginning. I can't remember now. It all runs together. The first beer to be brewed on site was the Paters Vastier. Uh, or the fathers—I uh, don't know what the Vosche. last is. Vosche, the, the, the fathers, fathers Vosche. Vosche. <laughs> uh, in 1852. In fathers 1871, the, the priory was granted the status of abbey, and beer brewing became a regular activity. By reclaiming wasteland, the agriculture—probably where all the mosquitoes were—by reclaiming <laughs> wasteland, the agricultural and cattle breeding of the abbey prospered. At the beginning of World War One in 1914, the monks left the abbey. I wonder the why. Germans just, yeah, right. A little bit later than my thought earlier. For some reason, I think like World War One had the same. I, I felt like the U.S. wasn't as quick to get into it, much Being like they worked. were in World War Two. So I always give it like a few extra years than what it really has. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. No. Fourteen to eighteen. We jumped in like in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Germans dismantled the brewery in 1917 to salvage approximately 700 kilograms of copper. They after did this World somewhere War... else too, right? Like we've yeah. we've mentioned this before. They were just going That's around not a lot of copper. Knocking... No, it wasn't. That's what I was like. It's not a lot. Like they had to be very disappointed. This is I mean, like... like this isn't like World War II either. They weren't on meth. <laughs> so yeah, right. I don't know why they did all this copper. 
That's that's what I guess. You know, there are people that die over less than 700 kilograms all the time. You know, trying to steal it from power lines and whatnot. <laughs> um, after World War II, a new abbey was built between 1946 and 1952, but only two wings of the planned four were completed. In 1989, the abbey sold most of its land to the Dutch National Forest Administration (DF) or sorry, DNF. A uh, and Flemish government. I wonder if that's a different phrase in I'd Dutch. I'd probably get a different different phrase in Dutch, and it's going to have a different yep. abbreviation. Probably like QFJM. Most likely, there is a Q in there somewhere. Uh, in 1998, with the support of the Trappists from Westmall and Roquefort, brewing started again. The continued existence of Achel. Uh, as a Trappist brewery, had been under threat for quite a while. Due to the lack of new callings there have been since January of 2021, no monks in the community... Oh, sorry. Due to, the, due to a lack of new callings, there have been no monks in the community since January of 2021. Not that the monks themselves were stirring the brewing kettles anymore, but there was no Trappist monks in the area. So I wonder, can they still call it a Trappist brewery? Mm. They have to oversee it. Mm. Also, I shall read like, on. The way, the way that's, that's phrased makes me just think of like the snap. It just all of a sudden, like, <laughs> like someone's holding a Trappist monk and he's just like, I don't want to go. No more <laughs> monks. <laughs> <laughs> so what they're really saying is the last monk died in January of this year. No, they retired. Uh, they actually didn't die, just no. retired. Okay. Well, I didn't realize monks could retire either. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought they had to like... Yeah, that's, I didn't realize it was just a their, job. Their time there. You want to look at them like, you made a vow. That vow yes, did that not say... Lifetime. It does not say, hey, till I'm done. <laughs> It's till you're done with life. (laughs) Till I shed this mortal coil. So, since the monk's disappearance. Ooh. Again. (laughs) (laughs) The abbey falls under the authority of the Trappist Abbey of Westmall. This abbey has no plans to stop brewing an HL. That is why Achel can still call itself a Trappist. Well, that makes sense. They just send someone from West Mall down there and said, you, stand there. Look at them. Make sure they're doing need, it right. We need somebody in the Achel branch. You know, please head down there. Uh, not much will change for beer drinkers, said uh, Abbot Nathaniel Koenig of West Mall Abbey. That X Abbey. doesn't belong uh, there. <laughs> um. I do have a an acquaintance whose last name is spelled very similar without the X, um, and he pronounces it Kenig, like with a K-E, which mm. is interesting. So that may be very similar there. Um, at most, there might be some changes to the label where the logo can no longer be, be displayed. That logo was very prominent on the otherwise plain label. Which uh, I can hold it up because I managed to score a bottle. One of the, <laughs> it had to have been one of the last batches that was done with one of the those monks there before they had to get the the West Mall guys in there. That that is something to think about. Probably the the beers that we have in the states right now are some of the last because it does take a little while, especially with COVID, to ship things overseas. So uh, 
if you find it, it may be something to put back. I'm not a I'm not a beer investor of sorts, but yeah, this one was bottled something. on uh, it was thirty one oh five twenty. Wow. Okay. So this so, had to oh, have been thirty one oh five. So okay, about a about you know year and year and a half ago or so. So yeah, if you could find one that was like thirty one twelve twenty, that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, the result is that Belgium is left with just five, just five, real Trappist brewers. Um, West Vlederen, West Mall, Orval, Chimay, and Roquefort. But even then, the aging of the Abbey continues and hangs like a sword of Damocles over the beer's heads. Koenig illustrates that the threat to his own Abbey, which still has 27 monks, um, is still there. In the whole of Belgium, there are still about 100 monks. Just picturing, like, at the end, there's, like, just one monk left, and they just keep ferrying him from one <laughs> one brewery to the next in Belgium. Just like, no, no, just look at it and then move on. Yeah, it looks fine. Ah! <laughs> He's the Trappist CEO. Uh, Trappist beers have undergone a certain international revival in recent years. That's true. Uh, it's It's been odd, but, like, Trappist beers have really, like, taken off, um, even with the craft beer movement. In the Netherlands, where La Trappe has already existed for a while, Zundert saw the light of day. And there are more countries where Trappist beers have been made for the first time. You have Ingolstadt. I feel like you all have really pushed this towards <laughs> me here. Um, Ingolstadt in Austria. Uh, Spencer in the U.S., Trey Fontaine in Italy, and most recently, Tint Meadow in the U.K., so, we have finished. The Austria one's so new that I there's nothing. There's like absolutely nothing on it. Yeah. Well, and they may not have earned their um their Trappist logo yet either. They, have, they haven't been blooded. Um. So, you know, we've gotten to the end of this four part. Okay, here's the history of Trappist breweries. But now that we've gotten there, next year it could very well change. And there's could all a, be gone. A, <laughs> well, yeah, there there could be a lot of breweries that could be some breweries that that pass away because there's no longer any uh, monks there to take care of them, and then we could see the monks that are in other um, Trappist monasteries start to take up the the beer making process and start to make beer and and add more there. So because um, like Trace Fontaine, you- like looking at that, like who would have expected it to come out of there? Like that's ever like yeah. oh one of the oldest abbeys on the planet and suddenly they're gonna pivot and they're like nah we're gonna start brewing. <laughs> Can so my thought is like hey everyone, if you're out there and you're considering becoming a monk, be a Trappist. Not absolutely. It's not pretty... for your own personal emotional or spiritual calling, but because we <laughs> need them. Take one for the team. We Take do. One. It's a pretty strict order, literally in the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you were already going to be a monk. Just, exactly. just go in. Just go balls deep. Get the right one. We could look. Who's he? Who again? Uh, as, as joked in pre-show, show of hands. Who's for just telling all the other monks you're now you're now in this order? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that this this abbey slash brewery was the, a really good way to you know bookend everything and tie it up 
it's 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 the it's not only the ghost of Christmas past, but the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Yeah, kind of. It's showing us what the the future could be, but we've also just told you, you know, the the stories of other Trappist breweries coming on, and there's still young blood coming into this. And there's still hope, and there's still a hundred monks in Belgium keeping this, you know, this calling going. It's because before this, we've just been calling out. It seemed like every episode about like, oh, the monks are fading. It's all going away. What are we going to do? And it's like, it, it's limping along. It's still going. There's th- yeah, there's some new ones coming up. So maybe, maybe not all hope is lost. We only most mm. hope is lost. But what about we the beer? Hope. Drink with me, friend. Um. Drinking the same thing, so if you want to... All right, well, uh, we've been pounding through some uh, Trace Fontaine. It's the... Oh, it's the C. Because <laughs> they, they just got the little sticker labels that they've decided to put on them. Cinco. Cinco Fontaine. So this is the... Eau tr- uh, de Cuvée, Armand and Gaston. Uh, it's a blend of no. one... No one brews like Gaston. No one drinks like Gaston. That's what I got in my head. <laughs> the blend of one, two, and three-year-old traditional lambics, all brewed at uh, Trace Fontaine. Spontaneous fermentation, uh, patient oaked maturation, and spontaneous and bottle evaluation result in a distinctly com- uh, complex beer. No two bottlings are alike as there are multiple variables in the blending process. So, I I had a thought, Casey. I have another name for a Abbey-style beer. Uh-oh. Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. That's the process by which, during communion, the <sighs> bread and the wine become the body and blood. Body and blood. Oh man! Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. You want Casey to piss a lot of people off of some of these? That's no, what right. I was. There's like, not a I huge Catholic, Catholic population time, back there. Yeah, in a very religious area. If we're going to have there, you say a religious area, but also no one's Catholic. It's a big enough word that no one's going to know except like the two priests that are in that area. And I know that priests say in a heavily Baptist area. <laughs> That's true. They're not going to get it. Hmm. All right, well. But what do you do? <laughs> do you do you mix? Okay, so bread is mm, bread is beer at that bread, point. Yeah. Do you do you then mix in like grapes? Ooh, like do or... like a half 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 beer half wine combo? Could or maybe age it in wine barrels somehow. Yes, I need to find a wine barrel. <laughs> All right, sorry. All we... right, I think I've got one. I think I've got a. I've got. I think I've got a guy. Um, because they were talking to us last during the the event that we had the the Hoptoberfest. Oh. Um, a winemaker came up and was like talking about us buying their wine or doing something. So, um, I'm sure that we could buy a barrel off of them after they're done. All right, let's let's let them continue talking about their their beer. But sorry, the the 
inspiration struck. Brainstorm and post show. All right, uh, so <laughs> this one has an ABV of 5.9%, and I love that uh, Trace Fontaine does this on all their bottles. They give you the bottling date and a best before date mm. because they're like, you're going to want to age this, which this one has not aged long enough. I'm getting some real weird flavors in this. It's odd. I liked it, but he didn't, which may or may not be a sign to- that I'm getting sick. <laughs> that you have COVID. <laughs> so this one was bottled on... Uh, 19 January 18. So I'm guessing January 19th, 2018. So best before October 26th, 38. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cool. They're, they're intending some uh, long cellaring on these. That's a that's a uh, old brune. Or that's an old <laughs> goose. I feel like uh at some point they're just like, well, we've got to have something on here. 20 years. <laughs> So, and our other one, which uh, I said, well, I get, we'll talk about this one first. So, the, the Trace Fontaine, taste the history. No, that's just like, the history that I read through on there is why I got so nerdy about it. I was like, I'm not even a fan of this style of beer. But just knowing what happened, where this beer was brewed. Man, mm-hmm. bled milk. Just gets me, it just gets my history nerd all up in a, all up in a tizzy. It's there's just something about what is that on the nose? You weren't picking it up. I no, because it, to me it smelled like apple cider vinegar. I get there's some red, kind of red like wine. it. It smells like burnt peppercorn and vinegar. Oh, you were I'm mentioning not getting that peppercorn at all. before. Yeah. I get, and it's the same way on the tongue. Like it tastes the exact same way it smells. Okay. Oh. And what about? It wasn't me for a change. So, okay, um, that's what I got from the Trace Fontaine. Our other one, the Trappist Akel Akel, we're not really sure, uh, that I was nerding out about because this one was would have been one of the last batches that had been brewed by that order of monks. And I don't know, it's it's got a real just like beer-ass beer nose. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> of course. It tastes, it tastes like soap. Well, I mean, or bubble bath. They use cilantro, so. I mean, it is as far as uh, a Trappist beer goes. It is kind of beer ass beery. It's not. I don't get. I don't know where you're getting soap. It and not even specifically. It reminds me. It tastes like the smell of, um, uh, our son's bubble bath. Like I just, I'm just drinking bubbles. Your palate is just weird. Many bubbles. <laughs> I mean, but, we know um, this. Yeah. So, but it it reminds me a lot of it, obviously like where they got their inspiration to brew and the knowledge from. You know those uh, the other one, the Roquefort. It, it really reminds me of one of theirs. It's more of what you're in line with when you think of a Trappist ale. Okay, but I like it, and I'm glad to you know got to try what they yeah. were putting out from there because you know where I got it was like an archive of older. <laughs> older Trappist ales because the former beer buyer there uh, had a bit of a hard on for Trappist beer and no market for it. So there's just like a catalog of Trappist beer sitting Sorry, there. When you said an archive, I'm just thinking of uh, Trappist beer on microfiche. Yeah, it's kind of what it's <laughs> like. A little dust on those bottles. But yeah, I, I pointed out what uh, they had sitting on their shelf, and I was just like, "Hey, you may want to try a bottle of that and 
you'll have a single one left. It's like, so it's like those that'll never exist again. Like that order of monks is gone. The Trey Mm -hmm. Fontaine one shouldn't like when it gets to be warmed up a little, it's not as good. (laughs) Like I liked it when it was just like cold. When, when all the flavor has been frozen and deadened. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's just a statement of like, you know, heating things up you already get to a different flavor thing yeah. whatever uh, all right cool uh i am not drinking beer because i forgot to buy something in style today because i had too much sake last night and i have sake today sake 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 i don't uh, think george thurgood had any songs about sake don't think so. <laughs> one sake one j- uh <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, I uh, I got the... Uh, actually, technically, I'm having an Agori. I'm having the Opalescent from, from uh, Boyd Saki. Uh, full disclosure, friend of mine makes this stuff, but uh, it's good. I enjoy it. It's uh, 13%. It's made here in, in Kentucky's first Saki brewery. Suck it against uh, the green. Suck it to me. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is their cloudy nagori, so it's not clear like you would trish like you normally think of with uh, with sake. It's got like the rice grains kind of put back back into it. Uh, makes it kind of like a nice milky, creamy mouthfeel. We we did a whole thing where we talked about it. It tastes pretty much the same like that. Now award winning though. They they put it into a sake competition and Woo! this uh, this and the Junmai both got silver in their category. Uh, the the messenger got silver in their categories, but nice. not the coffee. They didn't submit the coffee. Oh. They went like the two most traditional styles to put them off first. Okay, and I get where they're going with that because coffee sake is gonna be a it, little niche. Yeah, they are trying that to start with, and then they were going to start, exp- you know, later putting in some other ones. But, but yeah, they got they got silver for for a couple of those. I I forgot. I don't think we've talked wow. about it since, we they, haven't. since they got that. You're gonna have to tell Justin. And I say congratulations. Well deserved. Yeah, uh, not, not yeah. The guy I know is Justin. Not well, not yeah. this Justin. Yeah. Tell yourself. Pat <laughs> on the back. Your tell Bob. yourself. Good job brewing that sake you didn't brew. All right. <laughs> You're Bob, not Justin. That's <laughs> fair. All right. Uh, how about you, Casey? What, what have you been? What have you been drinking? I am not drinking beer. Uh, multiple reasons. Uh, number one is they don't have Trey Fontaine in this area. Uh, I don't think anybody carries it or any of those others. Um, uh, number two on uh, keto. So trying to stick to just non-sweetened, non-carby liquors. Started off tonight with a... This is the wrong um, time of year to do keto, Casey. Yeah. Well, I think I can make it through with turkey and ham. Um, but Casey, as long Christmas as I don't need the cakes. sugary part. I know. I'll, I, I mean, listen, I got until the new year, like the new year day. Like everybody else goes on diets new year day. I'm going off this diet. We buy, two buy, a box of, buy a box of Christmas tree cakes every week and then just go nuts on New Year's Day. Wait, you're going to be on keto I'm pretty dr- sure. at Disney? Oh, God, Casey. 
No, no, no. no. He'll be off New of Year's, it. New Year's, yeah, New Year's Eve, New oh, Year's Day is okay. whenever I'm going off just for Disney. Okay. Like, that's the that's the only time that I'm going to go off this. I was like, you're not um, going to make it, dude. I, it's... <laughs> It's in the plan. I will. I will. <laughs> it's eat in the plan. He's got an OD on churros for Thanksgiving. Oh heck, heck yeah! Oh, we've been. Uh, I've got like four sit-down meals already booked <laughs> right now in Disney. So, Lasalle for breakfast, deal. lunch, and dinner. Oh my goodness! I couldn't get into Lasalle, although that would be perfect for keto. Um. Anyway, you're minus, drinking minus the poutine. Um, so I started off with some uh, single barrel, uh, four roses single barrel, and then um, went with something that Smoke had got me and passed it this way a few years, maybe a year or two ago. Um, the Brennivan, uh Icelandic uh, Aquavit, yeah, made with caraway. Oh man, it's I uh, typically would mix it into like a Bloody Mary, but tonight I'm just having it as is, and so good, so so good. Uh, okay, real quick aside, have you seen uh, Ryan Reynolds' new gin cocktail take on on like it's not necessarily Bloody Mary, but it's in that family. No, he uses uh, tomato juice and barbecue sauce oh no yeah it did not look good oh he calls it the aviation gin riblet yes because it was, it was to celebrate the mcrib oh god that's no. back yeah no it's the go away 15th <laughs> anniversary of the mcrib never had a mcrib the they put no, onions on there 15th. i don't want to deal with 25th. it 25th well i always get them 30th i always get them to I feel like it's been around a while. Yeah. Um, I always get them to sub the onions, so you can get them without it. But without yeah. it, it's not as good. Like it, they're really like that sandwich needs onion. Uh, so instead yeah. of getting them to do the slivered onions, ask for a sub of the dehydrated onions, oh, and that's that. where it's at. I. Because I'm a crazy person, I get it with extra onions and extra pickles and extra sauce. <laughs> you have, like, I could deal with everything except for the onions. Like, I could do extra pickles, I could do extra sauce. In fact, I, I do actually ask for extra sauce, but the extra pickles, I don't want to seem too much. <laughs> but we, have, we have gotten into McRib land, and I am sorry. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. You are not allowed to call it a gin riblet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but at the same time, like, riblet, gimlet. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, it, it was not lost on me. Mm-hmm. Four ounces of tomato juice, half ounce of barbecue sauce, squeeze of lemon, ounce and a half of aviation American gin. Yeah. Oh. I, it didn't look good, but... No, you know, I saw the thing, no, and I was, I, mean, I was interested in at least the idea. Gar- so here's the thing, Brittany. Garnished with a pickle and cocktail onion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's a cocktail onion? It's basically a Yeah. It's, like it's, it's a tiny, pearl. tiny onion. It's a pearl onion. You, oh. It's how you make a, it's, a cocktail onion is how you make a martini a Gibson. <laughs> it's the entire difference. 
think I've ever experienced this. <laughs> um, we'll have to. I'll have to make some some onion cocktails. Not because I want to eat the onion. I feel like she all garnish. Like if it's garnished uh, with I, a lemon, you should eat the lemon. I I am a I'm a minimal, minimalist when it comes to to garnishes. Uh, if it is needed to kind of help enhance something, like maybe some like a like a little bit of zest, orange zest, and like some peel with a old fashioned, sure. A little bit of like lime for a few things, fine. But when you start putting whole hamburgers and like rotisserie chickens on your Bloody Mary, you've crossed the no, line. No, no. So that's. Uh, mm. All right, post show. Uh, post show. We, we, totally get, we, we can do a right, post show sure. conversation on this. Sorry, we we, we have been tangenting pretty hard yeah. right now. So, and if you want to learn more about the post show, what can you do? It's anybody. It's, uh, you can subscribe on Patreon uh, or watch the streams live. But there you go. But that's not one of our our scripted things. So I was, I was trying to make, all right, Casey. <laughs> you just broke. A- <laughs> Break, Bob. It's not what's on the page. <laughs> we have to. We Ron, Ron Burgundy, Burgundy this stuff sometimes, man. <laughs> I mean, I was like, is that? I don't think we talk about that. You can get this, do we? Uh, I think uh, sometimes well, we'll, we'll, we'll we mention it usually during like Britney's part of the outro. Yeah, not not every I mean, time. We probably should at the at the top of the show more. Yeah. Know? There you go. So, I mean, I know you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrakeshow.com or follow us at haveadrakeshow on social media and twitch.tv, though. That's that's a good point, Casey, and that's that's an excellent excellent way to segue into that. Uh, you know, you can also tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback at feedback at haveadrakeshow.com or the feedback page on the website. Uh, if you look deep into your soul and see the emptiness that is inside and you whisper quietly to it, I will also hear that. And remember, <laughs> just like the monks that we've talked about in this episode, all joking and fun aside, we'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. When was the last time you heard about a, a monk involved in a drunk driving accident? Exactly. They all take their sandals off before they start drinking. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you can check us out in a week. For the next live episode. Next Saturday. <laughs> yes. As as the next script Saturday. says. Oh, yeah, but I always gloss over that, so <laughs> here we are. Uh, and remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show, but also, as we talked about either before the show, at the top of the show, I don't really remember anymore, but uh, haveadrinkstore.com. We've got some new merchandise on there. This is uh, the top the where we're discussing things we needed to buy. Gotcha. Like sweaters. Yeah. Uh, so once again... <laughs> I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We shall see you next time. Bye, Bye guys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>